0: Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. If you're still working, what do you think your retirement will be like? If you're already retired, is it what you thought it would be? Stepping away from your profession takes preparation financially and emotionally, and it's not always easy to know when you've gotten there. Today we're looking at retirement as more than just an age. We're getting advice from the people whose job it is to guide people to retirement and to recognize the trends. We'll get that advice right after the news.
1: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA, is ready to assist tribes as part of its response to Tropical Storm Hillary. According to FEMA, Hillary hit more than 60 tribes in three states this week, in California, Arizona, and Nevada. Kelby Kennedy is FEMA's National Tribal Affairs Advocate.
2: We're currently working with FEMA Region 9 to be in coordination with tribal nations. There's a lot of rain landslides mudslides um Many impacts coming from the tropical storm, but we're making sure to be in contact with tribal leadership and keep an eye out in case they have any requests to us for assistance at this time. Kennedy says, way before the
1: tropical storm, tribes have been working with the agency on disaster preparedness plans.
2: But we're constantly working with tribal nations, even on blue sky days outside of disasters, to make sure that we are supportive of their priorities on how they want to build their emergency management departments. And that can be from anything from You know, uh, building up trainings and exercises, building up. Uh, different plans like their emergency operation plans, mitigation plans, and really making sure that Indian country is fully prepared by the time we get to an active disaster like what's happening right now. Post Hillary, Kennedy advises tribal
1: nations and citizens to continue to listen for local alerts, not to drive through waterlogged areas, keep food and water on hand, and check in on neighbors, including elders.
2: I know the goal of, of so many tribal leaders is to make sure that anybody in their community, whether they're native or non-native, is Safe during a disaster. And so anything we can do here at FEMA to help support tribal nations in that effort, um, as we partner with them to make sure everybody's safe, we're more than happy to do it. As of Monday afternoon, Kennedy says
1: there were inquiries from tribal leaders, but there were no official requests for assistance. Minnesota saw a record 5.7 million people visit food shelves last year. While there's still concern about households not having enough to eat, New community-level solutions are taking shape thanks to pandemic aid. One tribe was able to boost its bison program. Minnesota received nearly $14 million in American Rescue Plan funding to assist hunger relief efforts. The grants went to food shelves, meal programs, SNAP outreach, and tribal nations. The Grand Portage Band of Lake Superior Chippewa used its grant to accelerate its bison ranch. Program administrator Jared Swader says being a food desert they stocked up on products to hand out right away but they also saw long-term opportunities. We've had a bison
3: project in the works for about 10 to 15 years but there's no bison on land it's just all kind of in the planning phases. Well with these funds, we were able to buy some of the last minute things get some hay on board get some equipment and things like that.
1: They now have bison for the ranch and Swader says they plan to secure additional resources for reproduction. He says that would establish food sources for years to come without having to worry as much about costs and other barriers in buying food in bulk. New Sheesh meaning the place protected from wind, otherwise known as Point Warren's Off in the Anchorage, Alaska area, is being celebrated this month for its long history as a summer salmon fish camp for the Dinaina. It's of specific importance and was a camp that helped gather winter food supply. During the early and mid-20th century, the Dena'ina harvested salmon there with more modernized methods of set gill nets for both commercial and subsistence purposes. In the 1950s, federal authorities closed the site to commercial fishing, causing Dena'ina families to move their camps. The celebration of history is supported by the Indigenous Place Names Project and is part four of a 32-part project to bring Dena'ina names and history back into Anchorage. I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
0: National Native News is produced by Coanic Broadcast Corporation,
4: with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by Strong Hearts Native Helpline, providing no-charge confidential support and resources to Native Americans affected by domestic and sexual violence 24/7 at 1-844-7-NATIVE or strongheartshelpline.org. Ready to start, manage or grow your small business?
0: Retirement doesn't look the same as it once did. Some people now retire from one career only to start another. But many more age-affluent individuals continue working past retirement age. The U.S. Department of Labor and Statistics just reported the number of citizens over age 65 in the workforce has grown by 117% in the last 20 years. That's the same percentage for elders over 75. Money is a driving factor. The U.S. Census Bureau reports that half of those between the ages of 55 and 65 have little to no retirement savings. Native workers considering retirement have specific concerns when it comes to winding down their working years. There can also be an emotional adjustment when a job doesn't consume much of a person's day. If you're thinking about retiring or helping an elder in your family adjust to this milestone, please join our conversation. If you have questions or comments about the financial or lifestyle implications of retirement, give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. Our number is also at 1-800-99-NATIVE. Our phone lines are open, so give us a call. Our producers are standing by, and we'll put your comments on the air. Let's now meet our guests. On the line in Mission, South Dakota, is Jim Cordry. He's a retired federal employee and worked as an investment advisor for 21 years. He's Rosebud Sue. Hi, Jim. It's great to have you on the show. Good to be here with you, Sean. Thank you. You bet, Jim. You bet. Speaking with us in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is Larry Curley. He's the executive director of the National Indian Council on Aging. He's Navajo. Larry, welcome to Native America Calling.
3: Well, thank you for asking me to be here, and I appreciate being here, and Yate Ben, to all of you out there in Navajo land.
0: Yate, Larry, we appreciate you being here as well. And joining us from Everett, Washington, is Leilani wilson Wakash. She's the Chief Compliance Officer for Breakwater Investment Group, LLC. She's Tlingit. Leilani, welcome back to Native America Calling.
5: Good morning, Sean. Gunnestreet for having me today.
0: Good morning to you as well, Leilani, and I want to go ahead and have Jim kick off this discussion because, Jim, you took the golden handshake, what, about four years ago, back in 2019, I believe. How do you like being retired so far? Well,
6: it's been interesting, Sean. My last day with the federal government, I was with the federal government for almost 16 years, and December 31 of 2019 was my last day. I had all kinds of plans to travel and, you know, do all the fun things that retired people do, but we had that pandemic that came along. So uh, we were all in the same boat at that time. We all stayed home. We all got really good in the kitchen and uh, we're kind of still the same way.
0: Well, you timed that really well then because December 31st, just a few months before the pandemic hit. So you were able to just kind of unwind a little bit, not have to worry about remote work and all that transition that a lot of folks made. And Jim, when you got ready for retirement, when you began approaching retirement, when those, you know, you started getting close to that time, what did you do financially and otherwise to kind of prepare yourself? Did you make plans?
6: Well, I did. I I actually started uh, in earnest about three years before my final day, but I'd been, you know, contributing to a retirement account for almost 40 years up until that point. But uh, three years prior to my retirement, I started looking at you know a number of things, like how 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 much do I spend every month? What are my monthly expenditures on everything? Food, insurance, you name it. Uh, I kept track of that, so I knew pretty much exactly what I would need uh, every every year, so that my income was more than my outflow. And my goal at that time then was to. Increase my different sources of income, which I've been doing and I have done and will continue to do. So my planning was also uh, being knowledgeable of Social Security. Medicare, what Medicare does and does not cover. Uh, I made sure that my employer, the federal government, I made sure that I could take my medical insurance with me uh, in retirement, which I could, which was great, uh, because, you know, you don't know what's going to happen, and it's good to have that insurance. We've got IHS here, but the more insurance you have, the better. Uh, I. Up my savings, you know I wanted to have an emergency pot of money in case you know whatever I needed new tires or you know something like that. Uh, and uh, I created uh, a a dividend portfolio with to 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 establish another source of income. and uh, you know the the retirement regulations have changed now you have to be. Uh, you have to take a minimum required distribution from your retirement account at age 73. I delayed that. So I'll be 73 next year. So I'll start taking uh minimum required distributions and just add that to my dividend portfolio.
0: Jim, one thing I think confuses a lot of folks is like you mentioned there's social security benefits and then you've got your private insurance, but then, you know, Medicare and things like that. So, It seems like you really have to understand a lot of these different programs, a lot of these different income sources and benefits programs, and it sounds like it's a lot to manage. There's definitely a learning curve to this as well, is there not?
6: There definitely is a learning curve, and I would urge anyone, you know, if you have questions about Social Security or Medicare – call them. They are very good explaining, uh, and they'll tell you exactly how much you're going to get from Social Security uh, every month. And it does come every month. They don't miss a month. Uh, the Medicare people are very good at explaining what Medicare does and does not cover. Uh, you can then match that with your private insurance, uh, and you know, if need be, you can uh, go on Medicaid or Medicare Part B. They can explain what that does too. So it's a very, it can be a very overwhelming, complicated uh, bag of information. But that's why it takes a bit of time to accumulate that knowledge. So you can make some good decisions before you retire.
0: Right. It sounds like uh, being proactive and getting that plan situated before that retirement age hits is, is really, really important. And Jim, in addition to these financial issues you're discussing, what about just the lifestyle change? Because uh, I know you worked a lot of hours, you were really dedicated there in your job, and has that been a big adjustment? Just not having to, you know, set that alarm clock every morning and and go to the <laughs> office and and just you know deal with that daily workload that you had.
6: Well, it's funny you ask because uh, all my working career, uh, I was up at four a.m. in the morning and. <laughs> watching CNBC, the financial news, getting ready for the day. Uh, I still do that. You know, that has not changed. I I can't sleep in. Uh, My body just doesn't do that. But, you know, I I live out in the country. I live three miles outside of Mission. I'm from the Rosebud Reservation, and I have a lot of room to walk around. uh, Whenever I feel uh, like I need to sit on the couch, I go take a walk. And uh, the pandemic kind of changed everything, but, you know, nobody, you really couldn't do much during the pandemic. So we were all in the same boat. Uh, I got to know, keep in touch with my friends and family by telephone, by text. So, you know, it was not a, uh, not a, a, a stressful transformation from working to not working. And, and I kind of enjoy it now.
0: Well, Jim... You, you know, you've, you definitely have done a lot of good planning, but even with all of that in place, did you still encounter any surprises or was anything happened unexpected that you didn't anticipate when retiring?
6: Well, you know, it, and it's happening right now. You know, the planning I did was very, very useful. It's working out uh, the way I expected it to. But the, the last part of financial planning is your estate your estate planning and that I'm doing right now. You know, you get to a point where uh, you say, how, where do I want my estate to to go? Uh, Part of my work with the federal government, I reviewed many, many probates and they can be uh, time consuming. So how do I get my estate past probate? Uh, Who am I going to find to uh, take care of my final wishes? And fortunately, I have a trusted uh, relative uh, who will do that for me. So we're working out the details uh, on that as we go along. And, and, you know, I think we're going to have that wrapped up here over the next year or so. So that's the final step in my financial planning.
0: And Jim, that's a, a big challenge in Native communities is we have a lot of folks that pass away without wills, right?
6: Yeah, very much so, very much so, and it is you know if I could urge people to do maybe one or two things, you know, get a will. There are organizations out there that provide wills to native uh, native people for free, you know, no matter how much you have or how little you have. Uh, that will a will a simple will will make life much easier for your relatives. You know, and, and very important that we do that. A lot I found, and here's interesting, I found that, you know, as natives on the reservation, people don't like to talk about death. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't like to talk about that. But what I found out is, and I didn't either, but I found out the more you talk about it, the easier it is to talk about and you find a trusted relative or friend or someone who can uh, be the executor of your estate, who can handle your probate or be your, uh, handle your trust, uh, let them know every, everything that is going on and that will make you sleep better at night, which I do. You know, now that I have a, a trusted relative who will uh, handle my final final desires.
0: Well, Jim, thank you for kicking us off here. We're going to have to take a short break, but uh, anybody right now, if you're listening and uh, maybe you're approaching uh, your retirement or maybe you're just getting started in the workforce, but you've got questions, uh, you want to get all your plans in order so you're prepared when that time comes to retire, give us a call right now. We have folks on the line on our show who can answer questions, offer tips and insights. Our number here at the studio in Albuquerque is 1-800-996-2848. Phone lines are open, so we'll get you through. Again, that number is 1-800-996-2848. A lot of what we see on Facebook and other social media is from news sources with important and timely information that takes time and resources to put out but those news sources aren't compensated by the social media providers. We'll find out about the high stakes battle over the information you see in your newsfeed on the next Native America Calling.
3: Yat e. T. Hagi B. Shawet, vaccinations, and Go Eya, at is Eya, dot gov, one eight hundred three one eight twenty five ninety six, Kodo for Medicare and Medicaid Services,
0: You are listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about retirement today. Are you getting close to that stage in your life? If so, are you financially and mentally ready to take that step? Give us a call. Tell us what retirement means to you. We're at 1-800-996-2848. If you've been there, done that, give us some advice about retirement. We're also at 1-800-99-NATIVE. We've got Jim Cordry on the line. He is a retired federal employee. And Jim, before we move on to our next guest, I want to congratulate you because I know you just built a new house recently. And I also want to ask you, did you approach the design and construction of your new house with with your retirement needs in mind?
6: I I did, I did. And, you know, I inherited land from my mom, you know, bless her heart. And, uh, but I, I lived in federal housing in Mission And once retired, you have to move out. So uh, I had a hard time finding a contractor who wanted to build a house on trust land. But I did find a modular home builder in Nebraska who did that. Uh, I got to design it myself with all of the the perks inside that I wanted. So uh, it finally took about eight months nine months, and finally got it moved in before I retired, and that's when I moved out into the country. So i got a lot of space out here, a lot of place to walk, which is good, and it's just very, uh, very peaceful.
0: Well, congratulations again, Jim. And uh, I know how challenging that can be sometimes to, to get a house built there on trust land. So great that you're able to do that uh, on that wonderful homestead that you have there outside of mission. Let's go ahead and bring Larry into our conversation. He is the executive director of the National Indian Council on Aging. And Larry, I think so many times when we think of retirement, I'm thinking of like these commercials you'll see on television for like these, some of these financial services companies, and they'll show these couple, like walking on a beach or they're like on a cruise ship or something like that and they're just kind of hanging out and I, I just want to ask you you know for, for most of our, our native elders and our native communities is is that the right t- type of image or, or ideal to think of r- for retirement or, or do you think retirement looks different for many of us in our native communities well
3: I really think that um, those ads that you see on TV and the cruises and walking on the beach. I don't think that's a reality for Indian country. Uh, A lot of our older Indian people are living on limited financial means, and I'm glad to hear that Jim uh, is doing well, that he's okay, and having worked for the federal government, uh, that has its benefits. And I think for a lot of American Indian, Alaska Native older people, um, they are barely making it on Social Security, SSI. And those programs, and they're about 41% of the people um, rely on Medicaid as their primary health care provider. And so that means to be eligible for Medicaid, you have to be low poverty, you know, the low poverty level. And so I think that that's part of this whole process of, of just thinking about retirement. And I think there's, there's kind of two things that I look at, and that is that, When I think about retirement, it means that you're dropping out of the workforce, you're getting out. And for a lot of people, that means probably around 66, 67 years of age, they retire, they drop out of the workforce. And and what's interesting about all of this is that the life expectancy of Indian people have increased significantly since Since 1976, 74, when I first started in the field of aging, it has increased significantly. And now that these people who are thinking about retiring at 67, 68, they still have about another 18 to 20 years in front of them. And the question then is, what do you do with that time? And there's a gentleman by the name of Ken Dykwell who wrote a book called What Seniors what retirees want, and he writes there about how older people are thinking about doing something in those those years that they now have, that longevity bonus, and that what do they do with it. And a lot of the people who are out there talking and saying, I want something meaningful. I want something that means I'm doing something good for the world, for the people that I work with, and so a lot of them are very much into volunteering. And in Indian country, you know, when we were first starting out in the field of aging back in 1974, um, there was no such thing as retirement. Mm. You know, you're, you're not in the, the non-Indian way, where I mean dropping out of the workforce. But it's like daily living was a part of the process of living, and you don't retire from that. But today it has changed, you know, like there are people out there who, Indian people who are in jobs, they're still working. You know, I'm one, for example, and the work that I do for me is fun. It's enjoyable. I like doing what I'm doing. And I think that that's the difference between having work, a cause, that keeps you going in and working. Mm -hmm. I had an executive director that told me once, Larry, your work should be fun. And when your work becomes a job, it's time to leave. And so the work that I'm doing has been fun and it's still fun. I like being a part of the larger world, trying to change things and that makes it fun and that's enjoyable. It's meaningful. So, for me, um, I don't think in terms of retirement, the way that Jim did, uh, getting out of the federal government, that it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it's not relevant to me. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there are a lot of Indian people out there compared to 40 some years ago when I first started in the field. There's a lot more Indian people who are older who are now graduating from college, they're graduating with master's degrees, and some even with doctorates. And those are people that are now looking around for what to do when, when they get out of the workforce.
0: Right, right. And Larry, I've heard what you described from other people as well, this idea that retirement, no such thing as retirement in Indian country? Because, because you're right, people, they're volunteering and oftentimes our elderly folk, that they're, they're raising grandchildren or, or nephews and nieces. They're keeping busy. And as you mentioned, people are living longer, so they have more time to pursue these hobbies and interests. But, you know, just working with, with folks that you do, I mean, what are some of the biggest concerns you see among Native elders as they near retirement, uh, Larry, I mean, because are, are, you, know, you mentioned, like, for some people, it's a, it's a scary time. It can be a challenging time as well if, if they don't have uh, resources to to support themselves.
3: I think that's basically the biggest problem that's out there. Is number one, uh, one is uh, income, and not enough income to sustain um, a meaningful life. You know, paying the bills, buying the groceries, getting the your know, the Gas for your car, mm-hmm. income, one, two, health. There is a great concern in in terms of of health. You know, um, people who are seniors, um, they're dying from diabetes, and if they are looking only at Indian Health Service and you know the, the appropriations that come out from time to time is not sufficient to meet the health care needs of a lot of older Indian people with those specific kinds of chronic uh, diseases that they have. And so in my mind, and I went to see the uh, talk of our with our elders, they talk about lack of income, you know, uh, access to health care. Um, and so those are the major uh, concerns for those people who are living below the poverty level. And since you're talking about poverty level, you know, 49 percent, Elderly people have some kind of disabilities, and 45% of them are taking care of grandchildren. And so if you're talking about limited income coming into the household and they're taking care of grandchildren, that puts the strain on them even more so. And so, you know, that is what I hear. That's what I've seen. And our elders are saying, hey, things have got to change for us for the better and uh, that would be my my response, Sean.
0: All right. Uh, income and health concerns, uh, two of the the primary uh, concerns that folks have as they approach retirement. And Larry, along those lines, I mean, what are some resources that are available uh, from Native led nonprofits such as the National Union Council on Aging and also tribes to to support elders who live in retirement?
3: I think that one of the things that's happening right now, uh, Sean, is there is is an incidence of Alzheimer's in Indian country. Um, Studies have indicated that in one in five, non-Indians will be diagnosed with Alzheimer's in the next few years. Compare that with American Indians elders, one in three. Mm. And that means one third of our Indian elderly population are going to be diagnosed with Alzheimer's at some point down the line. That means who's going to be taking care of them. And that's always been my concern is, why do we wait until something big happens? We need to begin to start taking action now before it becomes a crisis. And so looking upstream rather than downstream, to me, that's more preventive. And that means that you need to start finding, looking at who are the caregivers who are going to take care of these elderly people, what are the facilities and, and the infrastructure that's out there to take care of these older people who have been diagnosed with um, Alzheimer's or related dementia? Um, for those people who are still working and taking care of a family member who has Alzheimer's, you know tribes need to begin to think: these people that are take who are working for the tribe, taking care of an elderly person with Alzheimer's, they need to be able to have a little bit more leave time. Um and change the personnel policies of the tribe to make that happen. But one of the things that's happening, as you know, Sean, is that the demographics has changed from the 1980s when I was working when I was working when I started, when I started working, you know, back then seventy percent of the Indian population were on reservations. Today seventy percent are off reservation in urban areas and right. off reservation communities. absolutely. And so, that becomes a very important variable, and in terms of just considering how do we as tribes respond to the needs of our 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 citizens who are off reservation, and with the limited resources that tribes have, you know, where do they go? How do they go about doing it? And so those are questions that are twenty. 15, 20 years down the line, but it needs to start being answered and start looking for possible answers to address that issue.
0: Larry, what's really coming across loud and clear today, you've mentioned it, is just the importance of of, uh, folks having a cause or a mission or having a passion in their lives to pursue in retirement. And it really gets me thinking about some of these community programs, like, you know, you, you see elderly people being language teachers, uh, sharing culture w- with younger people, and and how do tribes and, and other Native-led nonprofits, how, how do they wrap elders into these community programs so they can keep our, our elderly people in retirement, keep them living with passion and, and with motivation and with excitement every day? I think that's the big
3: challenge, I think, that with uh, some of our elders who are getting out of the workforce and thinking about, you know, living a peaceful, quiet, sedated life, um, I think that that's where the, the motivation needs to come in. And to provide those opportunities, like you're saying, um, develop storytelling programs where you tell stories that can be brought and carried on from generation to generation. Um, you do a youth elderly uh, caretaker project where a younger person takes care of an older person, older person takes care of a younger person. They exchange information back and forth. Young people can teach older people how to use a smartphone, for example, mm-hmm. or older people teaching young people this is what our language sounds like, this is what our history is, this is what our culture is all about. So that there's that exchange of information that is vital to the continued existence of HY, as HY,
0: Thank you, Larry. Uh, Anyone listening today, if you have an elderly program there in your community, a senior program, maybe a a meal program or an exercise program or anything that you're really proud of what your tribal community is doing for the retired folks in your community, give us a call. Tell us about it. Share that good information with us. Our number is 1-800-996-2848. And with that, we have a caller on the line right now listening in Cheyenne River, South Dakota, on station KIPI hello caller how you doing
6: good thank you for taking my call I had a question i've seen on the news a while back here they were talking about in another 15 20 years there might not be any social security left so i'm kind of wondering what's going to happen to that money when for the younger people that are still working and when they become of age for social security if it ain't going to be there
0: all right, caller. I appreciate that. It's, you know, I've been hearing that my whole life, right? Oh, Social Security, it's, it's winding down. It's on borrowed time. It's only got a few more years left. I'd like to have Jim Corgi respond to that. Jim, how secure is Social Security going forward into the future?
6: Well, I think it is secure, Sean. And that, that notion is, comes up virtually every year. Uh, recently, the talk has been uh, you know deducting, reducing it by 25%. And and that's that's a political talking point. When it comes down to it, uh, that's a, for politicians. That's a death knell to uh, reduce retired people's Social Security. So, you know, I'm I'm not worried about that. They say that it will go bankrupt in what 2032. Uh, I think the federal government will. Find a way. There's always a way, you know, when you have the power of the pen uh, to fund Social Security. So I am comfortable in the feeling that uh, I, I will not miss a Social Security payment time
0: in the future. All right. So uh we're thinking that uh Social Security is probably going to be pretty secure going forward. So for that caller from Cheyenne River, South Dakota, listening on station K I P I, I think Jim did a good job of answering your question and hopefully uh your concerns have been eased at this point. So anybody else with a question, if uh you'd like to share any information about retirement or, or perhaps you're retired yourself and uh just tell us what's, what it's like for you. Uh Uh, how you're managing... if you're concerned with some of these health issues like we've talked about today or some of these income issues or or maybe you found a new hobby, you've got a new passion and, and you're all in and you're just enjoying what you're doing. Maybe you're one of these uh, folks that have got, has gone back to school or you're volunteering in your community or maybe you're raising grandchildren. Uh, Larry mentioned 45% of our native elders are taking care of grandkids. You might be one of those folks. So give us a call. We'd sure like to hear from you today. Our number one 800 996 48, The number again, 1-800-996-2848. We've got to take one more break and we will be back with Leilani Wilson-Walkrush and she will talk with us more about the financial implications of retirement. So stay with us. We'll be right back.
4: Education Sovereignty, it begins with us. That's the theme of the National Indian Education Association's 54th Convention and Trade Show to be held in Albuquerque October 18th through the 21st. You have an important role to play in the ongoing effort to reclaim education sovereignty. The agenda includes an Educator Day, a Student Day, professional learning opportunities, and the NIEA award Ceremony. Registration ends October 13th at NIEA.org.
0: This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're focusing on retirement, and we still have plenty of time to take your call. How are you helping a relative or parent get ready for retirement? Or what are you most looking forward to in retirement yourself? Let us know at one 800 996 28 48. the number again one 2848 nine six two eight four eight. Let's talk more about some of the financial implications of retirement with our next guest, Leilani Wilson Wakash. She's chief compliance officer for Breakwater Investment Group. And Leilani, listening to our discussion today, and, and earlier we had this statistic that between fifty-five people between the ages of fifty-five and sixty-five have little to no retirement savings, and that is just. Horrifying to think about it. It is so scary and uh I mean what do we need to do to 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 fix that and to change those numbers so folks are are more financially secure as they head into their their golden years. These are supposed to be good years for people when they can be happy and enjoy their family and enjoy the success that they've they've earned throughout their lives. Hi Sean. Well,
5: it is a scary statistic, and all of the information that Jim and and Larry shared is so important. And you know, there's so many different facets to retirement, and including the financial side. And from, you know, we look at our tribal communities, and more and more tribes are offering retirement plans for those who are employed by the tribe and its enterprises. And so that's great. That's a way. But there's a lot of Tribal individuals that have uh, uh, small businesses. And so it's hard for them to save into the system. Um, I hear here in the Northwest, you know, are the commercial fishermen. Um, You know, how do we get a pension set up for them? Group group programs. And so I think there's still another layer that has to develop um, outside of of the larger tribal structure. They're doing a great job of of setting up plans, offering benefits, providing matches. But there's still a whole group of of other um, that don't participate that in our tribal communities. And so we need to figure out how to support them and provide those those opportunities for saving to them.
0: Now, Leilani, you work with folks and you help them create financial plans for retirement. When you sit down with, with a person or maybe a couple and you start talking about retirement with them, what's the first thing you ask them? What What do you want to know to, to help them as much as possible?
5: Well, that's a great question. The first thing we ask is, are they employed and does their employer offer a retirement plan? And we always uh, encourage them to first go through the retirement plan. And because they receive a match and they receive other benefits and they share the fees and it's so easy, it comes out of their paycheck every two weeks and they don't have to do anything. So people kind of laugh at us because we're constantly turning away business. We're telling them, utilize that benefit that you have if you're employed, whether it's through tribe or through private or the federal, you know, other agencies, if they have a, if your employer offers a retirement plan, that is the key place to take advantage of it and don't leave money on the table, take Take the match in full um, and, and save as much as you can. And then if they're doing that and, and they want to uh, invest and save outside of that, then we can have a, a further discussion. Or if they don't have that opportunity, which we work with some small business owners, uh, then we have to set up individual retirement accounts. And so we help them find ways that they can they can support that that from their budget, uh, from their business budget, and their personal budget. And so we'll help them set up an individual account.
0: And Leilani, for somebody just entering the workforce, maybe somebody in their early 20s, is it ever too early or too soon to start saving for retirement?
5: No, no. You you know, most uh, employers, their retirement plans have rules, um, 18 years old, 21 years old. We try to, we advise on on tribal plans across the country, enterprise and and government plans. And so we try to work with them to make sure those plan provisions are as open and flexible and benefit the employees as much as possible without arbitrary numbers and dates uh, that aren't required um, to be set at certain limits. So uh, lower, a a lot of plans are now. Now it's 18, and if you've worked a thousand hours or been there a year, uh, you're you're eligible to participate. And so it's actually better uh, long-term planning, and and the the financial cost up from your personal pocket is to, to save early, and and um, you'll have to save less over your career, and um, and so you have money to do other things if you're uh, saving early. You have time on your side.
0: Thanks, Leilani. Let's go ahead and take some callers. We have Celeste, who is listening here in Albuquerque on station KUNM. Hello, Celeste. I understand you're doing some volunteer work.
7: Yes, I'm retired, and when the guest was talking about finding something to do, I know that some people say, well, what will I do? I don't know what I'm interested in. I wanted to recommend tutoring kids in schools. There are a lot, a lot of programs around the country. I work with a group called OASIS, which is national there are local groups. It is one of the most rewarding things I do. I only tutor one kid per school year. I I like uh, third graders, uh, eight or nine years old, and it only I meet with them for an hour a week. And I, it just it touches my heart so deeply, and it's a chance for me to give back. And I feel like it's also healing my own childhood, which was difficult. But the the adults who were Helpful to me as a kid, I'm just turning around and giving that back to another kid. So um, all schools need help. All teachers are stressed. So if you want to reach out and find a group in your area where you can tutor kids, I highly recommend it.
0: Celeste, I really appreciate you calling in today, and uh, (laughs) I could use your service at my house. We've got a 9-year-old who could sure use a tutor. So uh, wonderful, wonderful you sharing that resource, uh, that organization that you work with to provide tutoring to, to children in school. Thank you, Celeste. Let's take another caller, Jenny, who is listening on station KYNR. She's up in Yakima, Washington. Good morning, Jenny.
8: Good morning. How are you?
0: We're doing great. I understand you love being retired.
8: I do. Uh, I'm a retired uh, teacher. I taught kindergarten, first grade, third grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. I taught a uh, nursing program through the college uh, as an adjunct professor and uh, retired. And I'm thinking about going back to substitute PE music, and library. I'm, I haven't done it yet. But I asked, I reached out to our school district just this, um, this week and said, I want a, a small contract. I want to come into your public schools, and I want to teach culture. I want to teach music. And because there's so many non-native kids that still think we live in teepees. Mm-hmm. And so uh, even though I'm retired, I have a schedule that's free. I can go anywhere, do anything. I do a lot of traveling. I do a lot of crafts and sewing. I get to visit my elders and just, just relax. Um, I'm, I'm gifted. I'm blessed to have Social Security and a state and a local retirement fund. I also work for the Yakima Nation, so I get a small uh, retirement check from them. So it's not about how much money I have and what I'm going to do with it. It's how much money I can enjoy myself with and my husband and my family. We just go here and there. We live off traditional food. Um, you know, we don't go to the movie a lot, you know, and that kind of <laughs> thing. That's real foolish, you know. Okay. But we enjoy ourselves at home and... Uh, take care of ourselves. Our health is the main concern. Right. I uh, have two little grandkids I pick up every day. They just started school today. My schedule is around them. So I'm free all day to do something, and then I pick them up.
0: All right. Jenny, congratulations. And you certainly do sound blessed. Uh, appreciate you calling in from Yakima, Washington. And Leilani, listening to Jenny and, and also Celeste, and, and you mentioned earlier, one of your first questions that you ask somebody who's planning for retirement is, do you have a source of income? So it sounds like... Uh, When somebody can continue working a little bit part-time, perhaps like what Jenny was describing, working as a substitute teacher or doing some cultural teachings, that sounds like it can really help a lot with regard to that income challenge that Larry was talking about that that so many retirees face, doesn't it?
5: Absolutely. And when people look at all the studies of individuals who are working beyond the national retirement age, which is about 65 there's two main categories, those who need to work for the income. And so those people are working because they, they haven't saved enough and don't have the resources. And then there's those who want to. And so she would fit into that category of, of I want to work. Um, she has skills, she has the funds available. And so she can find something that, that she wants to do. And so it's it's important to, to utilize um, all of the different resources that you have available throughout your lifetime, and and I think every the, a clear message today is you know volunteering and giving back, and I think that's so that's just a part of our culture, right? We're ingrained with that, and but don't wait until the end to do that. I encourage uh, the the young kids, and there was a comment about pairing up the younger kids with the. The elders and, and teaching each other, um, all throughout our lives we should be volunteering and developing ourselves and, and growing and, and never stop learning or, or working. And and there's different facets of how we view that.
0: And Leilani, Larry talked earlier about how Native people are living longer, which is great news, wonderful news. Uh, however, it does require um, more planning, right, to to manage that retirement if somebody is living much longer after working. So, about how how do you prepare people? Like, like what's the a good time frame, like a number of years that people should prepare for uh, after they stop working to plan financially for all these years that they're going to be in retirement?
5: That's a good question, and and having that number of we we go through a, a five step process for planning for retirement. We can take people through it in about five minutes. And the first question is, when do you want to retire? Is that a year? And is that an age? Um, Most people, it's an age. If that's 65, then you need to look at your life expectancy about, and and I think it was James, maybe Larry, um, talked about it earlier. It's about 20 years. And so if I'm going to plan to retire around 65, I need to have Funds and savings to cover me for 20 more years. But we have to look at our own personal families, our history. I have family members in their 90s, so my husband and I are looking at maybe we have to plan for 30 years in retirement. And then you have all the other factors of how much money do we need in retirement? That that goes into how much we need to save. Do we want to stay at home? Do we want that care at home? Uh, Do we want? to to not have a burden on our families and we want to go and have a, a professional facility care for us. Well those costs are, are growing exponentially through the roof. And so um it's it just depends on, on how many years do you think you'll be in retirement. And then you have to back that up with how many years do I think I'm working? And so if you're planning to work from maybe twenty five to sixty five, you have about forty years. And and then you have to save for about 20 years is, is kind of the rule right now. But I, I know I've talked to people who want to retire at 55, and so mm-hmm. um, they have to plan for longer and they have less time to, to save. And so all of those factors go in, and there's a lot of retirement calculator tools that you can use. We can send them to anybody. Um, you're, if you're working or have an advisor um, or you have an employer-sponsored plan, they have tools on the apps. and so those are those – are, critical factors that go into defining how much do you need to have saved to cover the cost. And of course, we know inflation's going up. And so what we we thought we would need um, three years ago has changed every time we go to the pump, every time we go to the grocery store. Things cost more. Healthcare costs more, so we need to factor that in. Inflation increasing, so we can't use today's dollars um, for our budget. In twenty or thirty years, we have to use what we think the future dollars are worth.
0: That is so true. I'm glad you mentioned inflation, Leilani, because I'm you know, thinking of like the cost of eggs that just shot up sky high during the pandemic. And and what's a what's a dozen eggs going to cost in thirty years, Leilani? Probably enough to buy a small house by today's dollars, I would think. Holy cow, it's just going up so much. So it's, much.
5: It's amazing. And and I did want to just quickly come back to the question on Social Security. And I agree with, with, um, with Jim, you know, Social Security is going to be around. But what they've done over the years is increase the age for being eligible for it. So um, so you might not be able to get it at 55 anymore. Now it's, you know, with 62, and now it's 65 at 67, right? Um, they keep changing the age. Um, and then on top of it, you have to be older to to qualify for it, which they could do. They're not going to affect current beneficiaries of it, but they're going to affect the future beneficiaries, right? Um, the other thing that we have to consider is the percentage of income that Social Security is replacing, is going down. The average right now is about 40% of your income. So if you are making $20,000 a year and you've been working for the tribe for the last 10, 15 years and you go to retire next year, well, you could expect to get about $8,000 from Social Security. And I don't know anybody who could just drop their income in half mm. and and still survive. And so that's that's where um, people need to pay whatever you think Social Security is going to give you, take it. Uh, But then it's that delta from, well, how do I get back from $8,000 in Social Security uh, back to $20,000? Because studies show that when people retire in their early years, they're actually spending more in those first years because they have the time, because they've put things off, because they have a, a pool of money that they didn't access before, right? And so in those early years, um, they're actually spending more, but then inflation may keep you at that elevated level. So how do you, how do you maintain a lifestyle? And if you can drop your lifestyle in half and, and manage, that's great. But I think it's really difficult for for most families who are already, you know, financial need and, and suffering.
0: Those are all really good points, Leilani. Thank you. And uh, but I, I really want to stress, uh, you know, there are definitely challenges. But it really it really is true. And, and Jim Cordry, our our first guest, is living proof of this. If a person takes the time and creates plans and has a proactive approach, these issues with income, these issues with our health. We can curtail those and we can live a good retirement. So we are out of time now, but let me thank our guests, Jim Cordry, Larry Curley, and Leilani wilson Walkush for sharing insights and advice for living a good retirement, Native style. Hope you'll join us here on NAC again tomorrow for a discussion about how social media are at odds with news organizations about compensation for content and how Native audiences and journalists could be effective. Until then, take care and enjoy the rest of your day. Do you want to start, manage, or grow your small business? The U.S. Small Business
4: Administration can help.
2: SBA wants to see you win. They want to see you grow. They have been so helpful and so resourceful. Thanks to the SBA, my business is thriving today. Make sure you get in touch with SBA, and you will definitely be on your way to a winning path.
4: For your small business needs, go to sba.gov slash start. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis. Support for this program provided by the American Indian Higher Education Consortium, the collective spirit and unifying voice of 37 tribal colleges and universities. For over 45 years, AHEC has worked to ensure that tribal sovereignty is recognized and respected and that tribal colleges and universities are included in this nation's higher education system. Information on a tribal college or university near you at AIHEC.org.